Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. Anthony. Hey, so we are going to be talking about It Chapter 2, and unlike what the British lady said, we will be without Anthony Numero Uno. It's just going to be JB and Tone in this business. Hello. All right, so uh, we figured we'd talk a little bit about our past experiences with with the miniseries and with Chapter 1 and how we felt about those movies as compared to Chapter 2. So right off the bat... The miniseries, uh, looking through like rose tinted glasses, was definitely creepy. But looking back at it as a seasoned horror veteran, it's pretty campy and silly. Yeah, I would definitely say that. So, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I the miniseries kind of passed me by. I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing, but I've also never really felt the need to do that. Everybody is aware of that miniseries. Everybody knows the imagery. Mm. For me, I've never been somebody who's afraid of clowns, so it's never been something that I felt like I needed to go watch or something that would scare me. I know a lot of people are scared of the iconic, you know, sewer drain scene and everything, which was obviously recreated in, you know, the the remake movie. And I've basically picked up on all of the beats that I feel like I need to know about the miniseries just through watching videos related to these new movies. Everybody is referencing it in relation to the miniseries. And so I have picked up, you know, what's good about it, what's bad about it, some of the really, like, bonkers scenes, some of the scenes that are definitely ripped straight from Stephen King on Coke, you know? So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, Pennywise on the Moon, things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've never actually watched it, but I feel like I have enough of a knowledge about it to kind of chat about it a little bit. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's super campy looking back on it, and... Uh, I love Tim Curry. I felt like his performance as Pennywise was was iconic for a reason. Uh, but it's mostly just Tim Curry doing more Tim Curry shit. You know, just being just over the top and shit. Yeah, I feel like the thing that people always say, the first thing that everyone always says about that miniseries is Tim Curry is amazing. Which we know from most of his other roles that he's an amazing actor. Um, so that's... Goes without saying. He made a singing pile of sludge work in in Fern Gully. Yeah. I, I think he could make a clown work. Yeah, yeah. That's a good call. From his entire IMDb, you're picking out the the sludge from Fern Gully. I like that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I feel like unlike the newer movies, which we'll get to, you know, and, and, and Pennywise and that obviously being a huge talking point as to what makes those movies work, I feel like the miniseries maybe doesn't work without Tim Curry's Pennywise. If he was taken out of it, completely than that miniseries i really don't feel like there's anything else about it that works from the clips that i've seen of the child and adult actors there's just a lot of just garbage you know just really campy weird awkward garbage um in that miniseries long and boring like i said without with not enough tim curry sprinkled throughout to keep it super entertaining and lively and that's pretty unfortunate like i said it could have been something crazy and ridiculous in a good way instead of crazy and ridiculous in a bad way. And yeah. And I mean, and, and Tim Curry's Pennywise uh, became an icon, you know, and it, and it became a huge talking point about him, you know, obviously somebody else trying to take on that role. Yeah. But yeah, I've, from what I've heard from other people, the first part 
where all of the iconic Pennywise scenes happen is the best part of the miniseries. Mm-hmm. And the second part where there's less Tim Curry, there's less of just the clown being the clown and more of just giant spiders and weird, awkward scenes of of John Ritter kissing a clown. <laughs> Kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> you know, like obviously I've seen I've seen all those scenes. I've seen all the weird like Oh no! Now it's a it's it's clown pants, you know, and then yeah, yeah and then obviously everybody complains about the weird, you know, Ray Harryhausen uh, giant uh, giant stop motion spider at the end. Mm-hmm. Everybody bitched about how much they hated that, and I've definitely heard that the second part is longer and boring, and 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 generally just most people say to avoid that part and just watch part one if you want to see the parts that everybody refers to when they talk about that original miniseries. Yeah, so I feel like if I did eventually go back and rewatch the miniseries, I would probably just watch the first part. I mean, I know the beats well enough from knowing what happens in the book, knowing what happens in the miniseries, knowing what happens in the new movies. I feel like I don't really need to go back and watch that second part. I would just go back and watch that first part and just enjoy Tim Curry, enjoy, yeah. enjoy those scenes and kind of ignore the the, the weird stuff in between. I've heard that some of the child actors in the first part are actually really good. If that's something that, that people like about that first one, if some people like the tri- the child actors, that's awesome. I, I just feel like for the most part, people go into that part for the Pennywise scenes. They want to see the clown. The clown is what scared people when they were kids. I feel like I would have a different relationship with the miniseries in general. If I had seen it as a child, maybe I would be afraid of clowns at this point. If I had seen Tim Curry in that miniseries as a child... I, you know, maybe I would have had a lot more trepidation about going to the circus and things like that, but not really my personal experience. Yeah. Like I said, I think that, that looking back on it now, it's, it's hard to have even been scared. Like my wife is terrified of clowns and like, she's gone back and watched the miniseries since. And it's just like, it's creepy, but it's not scary in any way. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that stepped up with the remake with chapter one, she watched that entire movie through her fingertips and was completely just scared out of her mind about the whole concept of that movie and how it worked. And like, it's, it's got some really good terrifying moments in it because it starts off with some of the same beats with the sewer drain scene. Like it, it just starts off with a bang. Yeah. And, and I feel like being afraid of clowns after seeing chapter the, the the new it i feel like is a lot more reasonable because mm-hmm. i think that the scares the way that they're crafted in that movie are a whole hell of a lot better mm-hmm. um they're really well done i remember going in and seeing that for the first time in a big packed theater i had gone uh on a trip with uh our other co-host anthony mm-hmm. and um we just went into a random theater super nice theater went in packed full of people and people were jumping, they were screaming, they were laughing. It was a great experience. And, and we were generally, like, genuinely surprised because we went into it with cautious optimism because obviously with remakes like this, you know, especially if something like that miniseries, which has not aged super well, yeah, we were like, how much is this really going to hold up in modern times? But I feel like it was really, really helped out by a super strong cast. I mean, especially, obviously, Bill Skarsgård yes. is absolutely divine casting for that character. So strange, too. Like, he he's this young uh, Swedish guy. You know, he's, he's part of that the, the Skarsgård family. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that you, you maybe wouldn't expect in that role. And he just completely nails it. He just gets absorbed in that character. And 
but I got to say with this part, he's not the whole thing that carries the movie. These, these kids mm-hmm. are amazing. It's an amazing cast of kids and you really grow to love and care about them throughout the movie so that when they get scared, you feel it. And that's a huge part of what makes that the scares in that movie work is you feel like you're a little kid with them again. And you feel like seeing a headless boy, you know, running around in the library, that's terrifying. Seeing that leper drooling, that's terrifying you know all of that stuff is really scary yeah and when pennywise does show up they're generally really strange and the the things they do with his body and the way he moves it's it's a really they're all really committed performances and and it really just helps to drive that movie it almost turns his character into like a contortionist you know having him like crawl out of weird things and like you know it's it's super like creepy kind of movement and a lot of it is animated but it's animated very well yeah i would say that this movie really benefits from a a good use of either subtle cg or a lot of practical effects Mm -hmm. that i feel like maybe you know we'll get to part two doesn't do as well yeah but part one definitely has some scenes where you're like is that is that cg i mean like like you were saying like when he when that that's one of my absolute favorite scenes in that movie is when he is he comes out of that refrigerator yeah. in the house and he just is all folded up, like all mushed in. Like he looks like a bunch of chopped up body parts and then he just rolls out and unfolds. And just when you think it's done, you realize his head is backwards and he flips it around and then he just kind of <laughs> jumps at him. And then it's this whole continuous, just amazing scene of him just messing around. Like, you know, like, like pretending like he's going to bite the kid's arm. Like it's really well done and you're thinking like how did they do that like it makes you wonder you want to watch the behind the scenes which i've done now at this point plenty of times you want to see how they did these these tricks and these effects and i mean the movie benefits not only from that but also from its its structure i feel like the movie is the chapter one is very tight it feels like a complete movie Mm -hmm. that almost didn't need a a chapter two i'm not saying that i i'm not glad that they did a chapter two i'm happy that they did that but it feels very well structured. You get to know these kids. You get to know each of them individually, and 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 it really makes you feel for them. And I, and I think the movie borrows a lot from how successful things like Stranger Things yes. were at the time. Literally borrowing actors. Yeah, Finn Wolfhard, obviously. I like, mean, and Finn Wolfhard. I mean, similar to his adult counterpart, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character of Richie just steals the show. In, in both movies, in absolutely. Both movie, yeah. Hand over fist. Yeah. And it, it's not only is that character just super well-developed as compared to some of the others, it also, because it has some of the best scary moments and some of the best comedic moments, uh, it makes you feel for that character more because you are inherently likable, even though they're kind of a sleazeball. Yeah, yeah. And even the characters like Eddie, where you can you can feel like you want to be annoyed by a character who is this like munchausen by proxy like yeah like germaphobe character when he goes off and he just starts like screaming and getting crazy that kid is amazing and i was actually watching an interview with bill skarsgård and he said that when they did the scene when he comes out of the refrigerator and he's teasing and and scaring eddie to try to drive up his fear so that he'll taste Mm -hmm. better when he eats him he was afraid that he was going to terrify the actor who played eddie and they get through the whole scene. They do the whole thing, get to the end, and the the kid just goes, I really like what you do with that scene. really like what you're doing with the character. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can tell these kids, like, even though they ended up obviously having grown-up counterparts play them, these kids, they know what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're good actors. You know, none of them feels like they're they're falling behind, you know, or dragging the crew behind or anything like that. 
I mean, you could maybe say the character of Stan, but I feel like he has enough in the movie to make him sympathetic. And I feel like part of what happens in chapter two is reflective of how his character might have not stood out as much in, in chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not like the leadership type. I mean, that's obviously something that's more more of the Billy type territory. Yeah. Where even though he got, he's, you know, dealing with like the stutter and all that stuff, he definitely is the one who they look to for guidance and for the ability to like keep calm under pressure. And he is, you know, he takes that leadership role really well. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's less so in chapter two. I feel like that role definitely moves more towards Mike. In, yeah. Yeah. In the, in the second film. But yeah, like I said, that's a, that's another character too. Like Mike definitely gains a shit ton of development in the second film where it's, he's not necessarily as developed in the first. Still a, a plenty entertaining character and still well acted. It's just they don't, you, we don't get as much time with that character. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people had a problem with that. And, and, and I, I honestly, when I was watching the movie, I would forget about him sometimes because he disappears mm-hmm. for a huge part of the movie. And in the book, he is the historian character, which, they they don't give him that part they give in this ben movie. Instead. They give it to Ben instead. And I, I don't know if that's because they wanted to give Ben more time so that they could better develop his relationship with Beverly. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to, you know, they had to introduce Beverly to the Losers Club, make her a character that you liked, and then develop that whole relationship in that first part. And that relationship really drives a lot of, you know... it. it it's supposed to drive a lot of what happens in chapter two. Yeah. And so they wanted, maybe want to develop that more. And I know a lot of people complained because his character obviously is super important in chapter two and they kind of put him on the back burner for a lot of the movie and he gets some really creepy scenes. I mean, with, you know, the, the whole thing with his parents dying in a fire oh, yeah. and that, you know, the arms coming out of the door and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people had a problem with like, oh, yeah, take the black kid and and take his role away and give it to, you know, one of the white kids. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm sure that wasn't their thought process when they did it. It just obviously like there are some connotations when you make a choice like that. And also makes it seem odd for the correction. Yeah. That in chapter two, they gave him that role back. They made him the historian. They made him the one who stayed behind in Derry and did the, you know, did the, uh, the vision quest or whatever and actually like learned how to like defeat Pennywise. Yeah. And I feel like that that's, that's a large problem with chapter two that we'll get into. I feel like is a lot of the movie tries to almost course correct to be closer to the book, mm-hmm. I feel like, which the first movie kind of was saying, hey, we're going to take the iconic parts of the book, but we're not going to be slaves to them. We're going to make it something that's new, modern, and has the ability to like actually scare a modern horror audience, but also, like I, like I've been saying for years, you know, the toting that line, that, that thin line between comedy and horror, you know, it's so easy to bridge. And I think a lot more directors and a lot more writers are figuring figuring that shit out. And so I think that they wanted to still be able to do that in the second one, but because they got you know backlash from like the true Stephen King fans yeah. about how far they deviated, which wasn't that far to be fair. Well, I mean, really, I don't think it's a problem to deviate from what from what Stephen King did in that book because that book is like six thousand pages long, and it's it has like. 45 amazing ideas that don't all work. Mm-hmm. And I think the great thing that Andy Muschietti and the rest of his crew did is pull out 
the parts that worked, like the idea, the general ideas that were scary and that were endearing and that were funny and, and kind of made their own thing without losing the spirit of the original story. Yeah. So I, I don't, I didn't really have a complaint with that as someone who kind of feels like the book is very, I think most people agree that the book has a lot of great ideas, but it's bloated. Yeah. And so cutting it down was the best choice they could have made. Well, and, yeah. I mean, having a child orgy. Yeah, I mean that's that's another thing that a lot of people talk about that book, you know, and, and that's something that's it, it's never going to show up, you know, on on any reputable uh, <laughs> uh, screen viewing, you know, any reputable projects or anything like that. Like it's it's not going to happen, and that's something that I feel like a lot of people think, you know, Stephen, maybe you know, not put put, put the put the spoon away, put mm-hmm. the put the straw away, put put that all away, you know, and just. Maybe proofread this book a few times and kind yeah. of cut out a few things um, and make it a bit tighter. And and cutting cutting the movie into two parts, I feel like, especially cutting the story into two parts helped a lot because it gave them the opportunity to make the first part focus just on the kids, have a lot of really good Pennywise, and really, I mean, that's kind of the story with the miniseries too was the first part had all the good, you know, the good Pennywise, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. I mean, chapter two of the modern remake has a, some good Pennywise moments, not as much as I would have liked, but you know, it's, it, they were able to do a really tight film that really could have gone without a sequel mm-hmm. if it had to, if something yes. had happened and, and chapter two had ended up in, you know, development hell, it, it, it would have it lasted, I feel like as a classic. Well, yeah, I mean, and it, it, at least for a short period of time will be, be the highest grossing rated R movie of all time, you know? And I think that, I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like I said, it was just really well put together and they kept it tight and they made sure that they only used what they needed to use from the story and they put their own flair and their own spin on it and made something watchable. Yeah. You know, because like you were saying, the book is very weighed down by old antiquated ideas, Coke binges, and just like stuff that doesn't work, you know, as far as like actually crafting a narrative that someone could sit down and watch in two hours. Yeah. And I mean, it's, Something that they did really well in the first one, and like you said, it, it opens with a bang. I was not expecting to see Georgie get his arm, fucking arm, bitten off. Yeah, and and bleeding all over the place, and the long Pennywise arm coming out. That I mean, in that first scene with Pennywise, where he's like, "Can you hear the popcorn, Georgie?" Pop, pop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's quotable. It's yeah. instantly quotable, and and the movie opens with great acting an amazing score mm-hmm. i think the music is is fantastic um in both parts and yeah really it just opens up and you're like okay i'm suddenly super super into this like i'm it's it that movie does not feel like it takes any time to watch and because of that i've watched it too many times to count yeah. at this point i go back to it as just like a hey you want to put on a horror movie that's not not gonna make anybody shit their pants but is is just like a fun kind of like spooky movie yeah um i watched chapter one before i saw chapter two then I watched it again before I saw Chapter Two the second time, and I watched it again with my dad the other day. So I've seen it several times very recently. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's nice and fresh on the brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, it's very well done. They kept it very tight. They made really good decisions as far as not only the cast, not only the person to make the score, not only what they chose to take out of the book, but like specifically what they chose to leave out and what they chose to do with that time instead. Yeah. And like I said, while there are some decisions that people look back on and they say, Oh, that's not, not the best decision you could have made. It's still, like I said, it's still the highest grossing rated R movie of all time. 
It's still a very excellent horror film, and I still had a blast watching it. I watched it several times in theaters. I've seen it several times since then, and it's just a great movie. I think that Chapter 2 had the makings of a great movie in it, and it's not a bad film. Yeah, I no, still had, absolutely I still not, had yeah. a lot of fun watching this movie. Yeah. And I feel like they this, the things that they did the best with Chapter 1, they also did very well in Chapter 2. The cast is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely inspired cast. Like, I could not believe that it was happening when they were announcing it. When they mm. announced things like... I mean, everybody basically knew right off the bat that either Jessica Chastain or Amy Adams were going to be grown-up Bev. Uh, the only one who didn't... I guess look the part really well. I felt like was James McAvoy, and I think that I mean they kind of wanted to make sure that they cast somebody big in that role because yeah. it's the leadership type role, and you know. But I think that that they went with some real unknowns with some of the other characters, some people who maybe had been fam- more famous for TV or weren't even really famous at all, but really looked the part. Yeah, and some of, like I said, some of them are absolutely phenomenal. But if you're going to talk about cast, you have to talk about about you know the star of the show, and not for any intents or purposes that that the writers had. Bill Hader steals this show. Oh period. my god! I mean, I, yeah, I love Bill Hader. You know, in general, I love him on SNL. I love him as Stefan. Um, I I laugh hysterically at, at anything he does. I love him in Barry. I was so excited that he got cast. I actually was watching a video and saw that Finn Wolfhard actually was the one who said that he wanted Bill Hader Mm -hmm. to play the adult version of him. And so his agent, Bill Hader's agent called him up and said, Hey, uh, Finn Wolfhard said that you want to, you want to, you should play the, the up character. And, uh, he was like, uh, uh, yeah. What else do you say to that? Oh, highest grossing rated R movie of all time. A sequel for that. Yeah, sure. I'll be in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just a phone call that you take every time. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, we can definitely go into each person um, individually, but I guess we can just go over some of the other casts that I thought were really great. J- uh, Jay Ryan as Ben mm-hmm. was fantastic. And he looks perfect. Like, yeah. he looks like it's just that kid just long and lean. That's yeah. it. Yeah, like he just, you know, d- did a few, you know, rocky runs up some stairs and, you know, and just dropped the weight, had, found out he had a great metabolism when he hit puberty. And, you know, just like me, I used to be a fat kid and then now I, you know, can't keep any meat on my bones. But, uh, yeah, I thought that he was great. Yeah, and weirdly for, you know, such a, a different, you know, physicality, mm-hmm. really, really looked the part. I thought uh, James Ransom as Eddie Looks exactly like yeah, just look, like if you yeah, just stretched. Him he out looked a exactly bit. like Jack Grazer. Like they they look exactly the same. So I thought that they were great. Isaiah Mustafa was really good. I just feel like you know his his character. There's problems with his character in terms of the pivoting that yeah. they have to do with him. Um, but I didn't think they, that he was bad at all. I mean, and then obviously Bill Skarsgård mm-hmm. again, still, still incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Any scene with. Pennywise specifically is is fantastic, especially I mean there's the the scene uh, with the little girl under the bleachers that mm-hmm. is one of my favorite scenes in the movie that I feel like is feels like it's almost a repeat of the Georgie scene from the first one, just amped up, just yeah, amped up and 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 even scarier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's great. I just didn't feel like there was enough of him in the movie. Really, at the end of the day, I felt like they leaned more into weird cgi creatures crawling on tables and heads with legs and you know all giant cg spider with a pennywise head and stuff like that i just felt like they didn't have enough moments with the actor who really i i feel like made 
a lot of the first movie and and that's regrettable but i feel like it they just felt like they needed to stuff in more from the books and 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 make things bigger and grander and and crazier and have pennywise become more of a like a celestial crazy creature creature you know as opposed to being the clown because and i guess the thought process is and and i i assume it's you know it's similar in the book and, and things like that where it's like when they're kids the clown is is scary. Yeah, it's easy to scare a child as compared to trying to terrify an adult. Which is basically what happens in this movie is that the scenes with Pennywise with kids, you know, the kids are scared because he's a scary clown that can open his mouth all crazy shark-like and, and eat them. Yeah. So those scenes are good, like James McAvoy in the Hall of Mirrors thing at the at the circus with the, when he's chasing the little kid and then the, the kid gets trapped. Oh, that scene was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really well done. Those scenes with Pennywise with the kids remind me of what I liked so much about the first one. And I feel like that's it takes a lot of the scare out of it to have them be adults. I understand. I like the idea of these adults coming back together. The cast is amazing, but it just takes the scare out of it at yeah. the end of the day. The first movie is a lot scarier than, than the second movie is. And I feel like the second movie almost relies too much on jump scares to compensate. The jump scare cat. I'm the jump scare cat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he makes a, a big appearance in this movie. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't feel myself scared. I definitely felt like some of the creature design was really inspired. Mm-hmm. I really liked a lot of the way things looked. They did have to lean really, really heavily into the CG territory where a lot of things weren't as practical this time around. That kind of sucks. Yeah. I will say that for as goofy and off the wall as it was, uh, to have, um, was it Hofstetter, the, the, um, Bauer's friend, his, his oh, yeah, sidekick, yeah, yeah. Um, have him come back as like a zombie, like chauffeur. Yeah, it was funny, but like the actual like costume and the makeup that they did on him looked great. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of like a um, American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. type thing, like that kind of design. And I felt like I liked seeing him come back because that is one of my favorite scenes from the first one. Is when Hofstetter goes into the sewer and yeah. he sees like the zombie the heart, kids, and then the I Heart Dairy balloon just. Which they bring back because that mm-hmm. is, was a reference to a cap that a character wears in the book, which they bring into this one. Mm-hmm. They have that whole scene in the beginning, which at first I didn't know how to feel about with the really, really, it's a really gut-wrenching, terrifying gay bashing that yeah. happens in the beginning of the movie. And the one of the characters is in the couple, wins an I Heart Dairy cap mm-hmm. before they get attacked. And... At first, I, I was like, I don't know if that if I'm like too uncomfortable by that scene because it's too real. Like it, it feels too like close to something that would actually happen. And then I found out that you know, obviously that scene is from the book, and that that scene is inspired by an actual event that happened in the town where Stephen King was writing the story. Mm-hmm. He, he had based that on a, on a true event, and I thought that was actually that made me feel a lot better about it. Not about what happened, obviously, but, but more, about, uh, more about them including it as something like, this is a thing that happens, and the Pennywise thing is the tail end of it, but the scarier part than Pennywise and all the balloons and everything is what happens between real human beings in the town. Like, yeah. it's not just Pennywise that's fucked up in Derry. It's the people, too. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a bigger part of the miniseries in the book is that the people of Derry are also affected. The town is infected by this evil. And so it, it, it makes characters like the bullies and the and the adults and everybody really strange and evil and it's not just pennywise they're almost like agents of his evil well and i think that that was my biggest problem with that scene is that those guys just disappear and they don't come back yeah like 
I think that if they would have leaned into maybe, I mean, it's a, it's a change, obviously, but maybe making them be more of a part of the story, the similar way that Bowers is. I think that, I think that that would have been a better route. I think it makes those characters seem, seem a little, a little more sinister, you know, which, cause I mean, that, that act is god awful and they all, you know, if those people exist in real life, they should be buried under the church. But I still feel like they could have used those characters a little bit more. I think because they were one of the scariest parts of that movie because it felt so real. Well, you brought up Bowers and, and, and what you just said actually made me come up with an idea that I don't know if this works, but they bring back Bowers in this movie. Yeah. And I understand that he comes back in the book mm-hmm. when they're adults, but they made the hard decision in chapter one of the re- of these remakes to fucking annihilate Bowers at the end of the movie. He, yeah. Like, there is no way that he should have survived that. And to have him get washed out in the sewer and rehabilitated and he's insane and all this, and then he comes back with the mullet and does the whole thing, all completely useless. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like that entire thing was just them saying, it was in the book, everybody's expecting it. They could have just replaced them with that group of bullies. Yeah. And it would have been, I would have been just as happy with that. Had, I would have been happier with that. Have Bill running to the, the circus to save the kid, and he, has, and he runs into those you know, those guys and they hassle them or something, you know, have them come back. You didn't need this entire subplot with Bowers and he sees the balloon and then he gets helped out of, you know, and it's this whole thing. And it's like, is it just because Pennywise needs his help to stab people? Cause Pennywise can basically just do whatever he wants. Like mm-hmm. there's no reason why Bowers had to come back. Yeah. Like maybe it was funny to get a joke about like a, a joke about his mullet, you know, from Eddie after he gets stabbed in the face. Like, yeah, yeah but I just, really felt like that was a whole snooze fest and they could have done so much more with yeah like i just had that idea like they could have just even very briefly because i really feel like they didn't need to add anything to this movie really briefly had those characters come back and and do something Mm -hmm. and be that kind of like antagonist person character for just a little bit with at least one of the characters i mean there's plenty of opportunities because a lot of this movie is these characters splitting up and going and doing things by themselves yeah, I mean, and that could have easily cut off 15 minutes of the film if you take out any of the scenes with Bowers in them. Uh, I mean, and you could even still use, like, the zombie Hofstetter. You could do whatever you want to do, but, like, I think... Have to- zombie Hofstetter and zombie uh, Bowers show up in, in the scene together or something. Yeah. You know, have them both be zombies. Yeah. Because, really, really, Bowers, is dead. no way he could have survived yeah, that fall. 1,000%. There's, that is died. a huge, to me, just retcon, you know, for the sake of including him because he was in the book. Yeah. You know, and, and so yeah, that was, that was something that I didn't particularly enjoy. I thought the movie started out really strong. That Mm -hmm. scene is a really shocking way to open the movie, which again opens it with a punch, just like the first one did. Then seeing all the characters where they've gone, kind of the parallels to their childhood was interesting. So you get a little bit with each character, you know, Bill's grown up to be a writer, which I feel like makes sense. Yeah. And obviously he's, the classic Stephen King parallel character that Stephen King has in most of his books, the shining, you know, he always has a writer character who's struggling in some way. And the big running joke in this, which I'm sure is a reference to Stephen King in general is Bill can't write a good ending. Yeah. Which, which I feel like is them trying to cover their asses about any mistakes they made in this movie was like, don't worry. We know let's blame it on Stephen King, not being able to write a a good ending. And I'm like, well, you guys were able to pull it off. With chapter one, like, can't really make that excuse this time, except that you just felt like you had the the wiggle room now because of the success of the first one to just really put as much as you wanted into this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I'm hating on this movie because there's a lot of really, really good stuff. Like I said, it starts really well. Seeing that 
And this is a change from the source material, but seeing that Richie grows up to be a stand-up, yeah, which makes a ton of sense, especially with Bill Hader playing him. That and he's a, you know a successful stand-up, totally makes sense for his character. Beverly's character growing up to still be in an abusive relationship. It's the it's battered wife syndrome. It's basically what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you know Eddie growing up to be married to a woman who is exactly like his mother, and then accidentally call her mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Ben. Growing up to be, I feel like, the most successful out of all of them, mm-hmm. you know, makes sense for kind of how they set up and how much focus they give his character in the first one. And actually, there's a cameo in the scene where he is talking to the boardroom. Mm-hmm. The One of the people in the boardroom is the actor who played Ben in the miniseries. Mm, nice. Yeah, which is something I found out recently. So I thought that was pretty cool. There's, I mean, there's some very obvious cameo stuff happening in this movie. Yeah, Stephen King what, is literally in this. Movie. Yeah. Stephen King is in the movie for, for a good amount of time. Like, yeah. like for a big scene. Yeah. Um, not a pivotal scene, but a long scene. Yeah. Which I feel like is something that can sum up a lot of the scenes in this movie was not a pivotal scene, but a long scene. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like, like it starts really strong. They get, they get the band back together. You know, you have that, that weird kind of like, why are they for, you know, why did they forget what's going on? And then they all start getting this, this sickness, this evil. And it really makes you feel that, this Pennywise thing is bigger than just like it's affected them in some way. It's like latched onto them. Mm-hmm. They have to come back to Derry, and then you get obviously the the tragic suicide with Stan, which is straight straight out of the book. Straight out of the book. It's it's given. A, I feel like a bit more justice in other adaptations, but I mean, I still I was tearing up because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as much as I was saying that his character maybe wasn't like the leader character and that plays into how he feels about why he does what he does. But I mean, I was sad because I felt like that actor played that character growing up pretty well for the brief amount of time that he was in the movie. Yeah. And I mean, he kind of comes back in voiceover later and, and has his moment and everything, which I felt was really touching, but yeah, his entire suicide. I mean, there were parts of this movie where it's a heavy movie. I feel like as opposed to the first one where the first one is, is a bit more straightforward, scary. This one is really depressing in a lot of points. Like we were just talking about the opening scene there's a lot of really, really sad stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's – there are a bunch of things in this film that that while looking through a lens from 2019, looking back at the miniseries, looking back at the book, looking back at the decisions that were made, they don't have the best optics, I guess. I mean, it is a film. It is – you know, it's it's not meant to be real life, you know, so things happening like – them defeating Pennywise by literally bullying him, yeah, um, or having you know having such a a dedicated like abuse line in Beverly's life, and that all that's all she has aside from these six boys is just being abused her entire life. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. Um, a literal gay bashing, like, yeah. It, those things are tough. I mean, and, and on top of that, like basically like. Showing showing Richie as being a closeted person and like that like that he's continuing to make that decision and then not really going anywhere with telling us about it feels like it's tacked on. It doesn't feel like it's done right, even though all of those things are directly from Stephen King. I actually have a different opinion on how it was handled in the movie because I mm-hmm. liked that with everything this movie lacking subtlety for the most part, I felt like that part kind of ha- like it was handled in a way where I was because I was kind of dreading that they were going to be like like suddenly hitting us over the head mm-hmm. with with that fact and I liked the idea that like they give it to us you know he goes back in the end he sees 
the initials that he carved into and the he, bridge. He carves them in it again. Yeah, and I felt like that was the thing where he he loved Eddie, and he's still struggling. But he, I feel like it it to me it made the the relationship stronger mm-hmm. and more tragic when he is trying to save Eddie after Eddie gets impaled when he's trying to save him and he's and he's freaking out and he's and everybody's telling him he's dead and he's just trying to because he's realizing that this he has to let go of this person that has kind of almost like kept him like closet like he's been latched to this person and then he's gonna have to let this person go yeah yeah and and it's it's tragic and we don't know where he's gonna move from there but i like that it was kind of left open like, I didn't feel like it was like, oh, shoot, he didn't just tell everybody. Because in the miniseries, they have the really awkward where the scene where I believe it's, uh, is it Eddie tells everyone that he's a virgin? Mm-hmm. It, like when they're in the caves or whatever. And he's like, I've never, I've never loved anyone enough to, to have sex except for you guys, you know? And it's all very like overt and awkward and strange. Yeah. And I just didn't want there to have to be a scene where Richie turns to everybody and goes, guys, I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. And like does the whole thing. Like I was like, okay, we get it. It's established ish. It's enough to make it sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and I liked that. I, I feel like that's more natural. That's more realistic to how real life works. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I had a kind of different opinion on that part, but yeah. I like that. I think that, that the performance is what saves those things for me. Yeah. Like I think that, the ties between those two characters are blatant. They are, they are very attached even in their, you know, their ribbing and their, their quips like that. You can tell that like it comes from a good place that they care about each other very deeply. Well, and like when they're having their shared like horror visions at the end and they mm -hmm. repeat the like not scary, scary, very scary thing. Yeah. Their, their chemistry, like the way they pull off, like they share, they share so many great moments together. And when they open that door and it's the little dog mm-hmm. and they're just, which apparently was improvised, all the stuff that they say when they see the dog, the whole theater was busting up laughing. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious just because those characters are so good together. As much as I loved the character of Eddie in this movie, I will say one moment that I feel like was a very, very strange choice really took me out of the movie and I really would like to see what the thought process was behind it in some behind the scenes or something was when he is having his scary vision and he sees the leper, the leper comes back and the leper starts vomiting black sludge onto his face. Oh, and then it's and we get, yeah, and we get a hard cut to just call me angel. And it, so it does it for like four seconds. Yeah. Cuts in, cuts out. And it makes me wonder like what, it, like, it didn't last long enough to really sit with anybody in a way that made them feel scared or, like, they were relieved or whether they should laugh or what the point was. Like, I felt like it, it was so brief that it took whatever meaning was supposed to be in the scene, whether it was supposed to be scary. And I feel like it was something in the editing room. Like, somebody made a choice where they were like, this is not scary, scary enough, so we're going to try to make it funny. Or we don't have enough comedy, so we're going to add a comedy scene. And it just felt super out of place. And yeah. I was just disappointed because I... I just wanted to see the leper show up and scare Eddie and him, you know, have to, to deal with that whole thing and his comedic reaction to it and all that. They just, I felt like, tried to drive that home unnecessarily, mm-hmm. that it was supposed to be comedic. Um, so that really stuck out to me. But that was just a small little bit. Otherwise, I felt like his character, you know, like I said, when he, like, I was terrified when he was, when Bowers came back and 
he got stabbed in the face. I was like, oh, shit, did that really just happen? <laughs> and then he just kind of stumbles out, like, in a daze, and he's, like, tells him to cut the mullet. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really liked that. Um, as we can talk more about some of the other cast and what we thought of some of their scenes and things like that. Um, I felt like the one that had the most impact for me, it, even unfortunately them using it in the very first trailer, I felt like Beverly's scene was the scariest of all of the separated scenes. Um, obviously because they go back to her with her dad and that shit's fucking disgusting. Yeah. And it's, it's uncomfortable and scary at the same time. And then obviously the scene where they cut to him in the room and he's just like, like painting his face and like scratch the blood. Oh, it's it so creeps good. me out every time I see it in like a, a trailer or a like it shows up on stills on my YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Like when I'm looking, like it'll be like the image that people because it's so weird and strange and a cool opportunity for Bill Skarsgård to like do something different in different makeup. Yeah, but yeah, when he's just like tearing apart his face, it reminded me of like some poltergeist shit. Like when he mm-hmm. just tearing off the face and that scene in Poltergeist always creeped me out. So I, that always gives me the heebie-jeebies when I see that that image of. Pennywise just like and seeing the weird like Pennywise in the circus picture mm-hmm. like getting to see kind of more uh, different forms of Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise as opposed to CGI weird forms of of Pennywise was cool and and that whole scene like you said like it was in the trailer it's obviously longer in this but I thought all the stuff with the old woman was really creepy mm-hmm. with her kind of sk- like skittering in the background yeah I jumped when she jumped out as a CGI creature but again, I didn't feel like that was necessary. I felt like Beverly could have just, the lady could have like jumped out and screamed like we thought was going to happen when we saw the end of the trailer when it doesn't show us what's going to happen. I just thought the lady was going to jump out and be all gross and naked and yeah. be like in uh, The Visit where it's like just seeing an old lady naked. Sorry, old ladies who are listening, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a sight that anyone wants to see. Uh, and, I think uh, we'll pass. Yeah, um, and, so, and a little bit of trivia about that scene that, that uh, I saw too was, one, when she freezes... When she's talking, and she just sits there. Was that not on purpose? No, it's on purpose, and the actress... It's not edited. The actress just did that perfectly, which was is super cool. They didn't, like, freeze the... You know, do anything digitally to, like, make her that frozen. The other thing is, when she's opening up her shirt, and she has those wounds, mm-hmm. that's a reference to Pennywise getting impaled in part one, and, mm-hmm. he, and he gets the chest wound. And so, because it's supposed to be Pennywise in disguise, that's a, a little hint to that. So, I felt like that stuff was... Really strange and creepy. I liked that. Um, I f- felt like um, James McAvoy's side scene when he goes off and he goes back to the sewer and he finds Georgie's boat was actually really heart wrenching. Yes. Because when he see when he sees that kid that lives in his house and he's trying desperately, like the kid tells him, like he, like the patterns repeating. Where it's like that he kind of realizes like he has to. They have to stop Pennywise because Pennywise is gonna keep killing kids, and this kid is already hearing clowns in the sewer and stuff and james mcavoy just grabs him and starts yeah. freaking out this kid and starts telling him like don't like don't go near the sewer like blah you know and he's free like to me i was like oh shoot like you really felt the impact and that's james mcavoy like just being a great actor too yeah. like he's just amazing in this movie and even if he doesn't look the part the, yeah. the part as much as some of the other people do he pulls it off super well he gets the stutter back when he gets back to Derry and pulls it off super well you know and like i said before the scene when he's running through the the circus through the hall of mirrors. We can talk about him going to get his old bike silver back oh, and my God. meeting, meeting the originator of all of this. Yeah. Old I mean, Stephen King. And that, that whole scene, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. It was something that it didn't, it didn't need to be there, but it was fun. I just feel like, you know, 
Stephen King, he's 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 the Stan Lee of of you know his universe. Yeah. You know he he hasn't cameoed in all of his stuff, but he has a ton of cameos, and mm-hmm. most of them are pretty bad, including this one. I think it wasn't yeah. awful, but it was unnecessary. It was kind of funny, but you can tell that Stephen King is not an actor. And yeah, I mean, like definitely. I love I love him in Creepshow, but he's off the wall in anything that he's in. Yeah, like I said, that scene does have some some fun moments to it, but it's. It's pretty batshit crazy and off the wall. Part of the problem with a lot of these like little extra scenes is that like there's just weird shit that doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, while there was some like some creepiness to the Eddie scene before we get obviously the vomit in his face, like yeah. the actual like the flashback portion of that, it's a little rough. Like the whole concept of his mom being like trapped down there. Like, was she actually there? Was that all Pennywise? Like what's the, what's the deal? Yeah. The whole, her whole getting like, like tongue fucked by the leper. Like, yeah, it was, that was very strange. And that's, I feel like we've talked about the, the scenes that were the side scenes because there's a lot of them. And it really is where I feel like the movie Screeches. super drags. It screeches absolutely to a halt, yeah. to a halt because I loved when they were together in the Chinese restaurant you know, despite the little, you know, CG stuff crawling around on the table and everything. And I'm like, guys, if somebody is bashing in a table in this Chinese restaurant, why is nobody, you know, freaking out about it? But again, that could just be that everybody in Derry is a weird ass zombie. But, um, yeah, I just feel like we talked about the scenes that the side scenes that stood out and everybody else's, I didn't feel like were especially strong. Yeah. I felt like Eddie's was rough. I felt like, uh, Richie's was definitely rough. I really didn't like the Paul Bunyan thing. And apparently that was something that Stephen King specifically requested to have in the movie because he's a big Paul Bunyan fan (laughs) and wanted the Paul Bunyan statue to like come to life, you know, like that was strange and him getting like a arcade token. I was like, okay, Ben going back and getting the thing with the yearbook. I liked that, that I liked that flashback. Mm -hmm. I liked the flashback to him as a kid hiding in the locker and and pennywise making the kiss me fat boy you know like reference that was cool um i liked that part and and just speaking of the flashbacks i mean there's there's not as many as i thought there would be in the movie and and they they feel a little bit strange and i feel like there's a lot of reasons for that i think the biggest one is obviously that they had to de-age some of these kids yeah and apparently in the first movie they specifically to to plan ahead they did kind of pitch up and adjust some of the kids voices Mm -hmm. so that when they had to pitch them up in this, it would feel more natural. It's not something that stood out to me as much the first time to where I knew what was happening. It was something that I felt like was subconscious for me where I knew there was something weird about the kids. Like sometimes their mouths didn't seem like they were matching things and, and their faces looked a little like, especially like Finn Wolfhard who, you know, has really gotten, yeah, he, like he, he has like a model face now, like, and all this, and he's not as like round baby faced as he was. They really had to do some stuff like smoothing him out. And, and a lot of it, a lot of it, I felt like too, the flashbacks kind of just felt repetitive mm-hmm. and also just like stuff where we're like that. We know that didn't happen in the first one where it's like, now we're supposed to believe that when they had their fight in front of the creepy Pennywise house that they all went off and had these like separate scary Pennywise experiences and things. And that also they had like, I mean, it's fine. Like if they didn't show everything that the the losers club did, but then there's this whole thing about them having like this underground, you know, this little hole thing they go in they'll hang out in there. And that's where we learn, you know, that about the, the shower cap for Stan and all this stuff. And it felt like it was all just 
almost retconning. Like it was like, okay, these flashbacks aren't as much to serve the story as they are to have flashbacks and, or, or, you know, they just needed to give us a detail that they knew didn't exist in the first one to get to the ending, like to get us to where we needed to be, where they all had to put all the stuff and do the ritual of Chud and all that. Like they had to add all this extra stuff in the flashbacks. Yeah. I think the problem for me in that regard is that, they made a really tight, well-put-together movie. We've already established that for Chapter 1. And rather than keep that tight and try to make a tight movie to go alongside it, instead they chose to like take things that they couldn't put in that movie because it wouldn't have kept it tight and made it such a huge success and instead backloaded them onto this movie. And now it makes this movie worse when you could have made something maybe that would have worked more cohesively without having to go back and do all these tiebacks and all this weird shit. And it makes it so the movie doesn't stand alone very well. Like even with these weird flashbacks, because they are flashbacks that are like attached to actual scenes from the film. Like you kind of have to have seen the movie. I mean, and while you should, because a, that movie's better than this movie and B it's, you know, you're watching a series. You should watch the series it's still a situation where there are going to be people who who earlier this year came and saw Endgame having not seen any of the other Marvel films. And that's a rough that's a rough sell. Like yeah. that movie does not stand alone very well. There are plenty of other films in the Marvel universe that stand alone well, and I feel like It Chapter 2 definitely does not stand alone well. Yeah, I feel like it has a a problem of being way too long but also feels like it doesn't do a lot. And then also in some parts feels like it's retreading ground mm-hmm. that we've already gone over. And I'd be interested to talk to somebody who went into chapter two without having seen chapter one. Yeah. Like, do they feel like they, because I feel like this movie, because it kind of shirks so much of what happened in, in chapter one and it's kind of just like Pennywise is back. Got to kill him again. Yeah. Like basically in the same way, do you have to have seen the first one now? Like it doesn't feel like this movie in those flashbacks really ties back into the first one or anything. It feels like it's like, okay, well then why do I have to go back and see the first one? I can just jump into this one. It tells me what I need to know for this movie. Like the flashbacks are serving this movie. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot besides you. It's cool to see the progression of these kids to adults. Like that's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's interesting and it helps. But I mean, really I felt like it just was, treading retreading a lot of ground and just kind of had a lot of unnecessary material well retreading ground but not doing it inside the lines exactly yeah and that's the worst part is that it's like it's like it's like okay all right tread for tread tread for tread tread for tread and then quick right turn yeah and then miss the track completely you know it would do that constantly where it's like oh here's this scene that that you definitely remember this specific part uh, but this part, there's no way there was enough time for this to take place. Yeah. Or that they wouldn't have said, hey, this weird wackadoo shit happened. And on top of that, in the first movie, we do kind of get to see a little bit of what they do while they're separate. And none of that is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And and they, they kind of, it's disappointing because you wanted, you really just wanted to see a solid continuation with an amazing cast of what they did in the first one. I would have loved to have seen a movie that did what the first one did, which is just took out all the unnecessary stuff, cast amazing people, did maybe a few flashbacks to the kids, and kept it at the 
basically the same length as, as the first one. Made it a I mean, really tight two movies. I mean, you could even keep, you could even chop off what 30, 40 minutes of that movie and you're still at two hours and 15 minutes. That's a watchable movie. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I, I, on a regular basis, we'll sit down and watch a three hour long movie, but that movie has to be very tightly put together and the scenes have to be a necessity for it to feel like that movie was worth watching. And a lot of these scenes do feel unnecessary. It doesn't make it a bad watch, though, which is surprising. Like I said, in the center, when they're all separated, it drags so bad. It's, like, so boring. Watch checking, like, oh, maybe I should get up and go take a piss. Like, well, yeah. it, it gets rough there. But, like, when they're together, even though some of those scenes are the worst, like, composites, are still some of the best scenes in the movie because they interact perfectly. Yeah. Like, the whole ending. Everything about the ending, the crazy, over-the-top CG, Pennywise, spider, weird shit is lame. Super lame. Yeah, absolutely. But them interacting to take him down and them being separated into pairs and, like, doing all that crazy stuff with the, you know, the doors and, and uh, although I will say the fact that, that Beverly and Ben's were so attached yeah. was a little goofy. Where she had to like drag him out or you know, vice versa or whatever. Yeah, it was and, a little and that bizarre. felt that also felt a little bit overlong. Where I was like, I get like, I get it. There's a ton of blood. Like she's drowning in blood. Now he's getting buried. Like, and apparently that's the according to the people involved with the movie, that's the most fake blood that's been used in a, in a horror movie mm. in a, like so far in history, which is cool yeah i mean i I'll, guess i mean i like saying seeing jessica chastain covered in blood i'm cool with that sure Sign i mean it, you know whatever fake blood obviously not what, real blood whatever weird stuff you're into but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i just when when they're separated and i mean i i just remembered this but when james mcavoy has his weird ass spirit vision thing mm-hmm. going on that's when i'm like okay are they getting are they about to get really really like because the, the book ends in like a really like there's the macroverse and and the giant space turtle and I was like, are we gonna see the turtle? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like when he had, <laughs> I mean, are you, we gonna see the turtle? Yeah, I mean, oh, I was thinking shit. at that point, I was like, okay, what are we gonna see? Because when he has that strange vision quest thing, I was like, mm. this is so weird. Like, are they really gonna go there? I think, I think there's a possibility that we may have gotten that crazy and off the wall had um dark tower worked yeah because they wanted to make they they would have probably tried to tie him in more they wanted they wanted to do that that was the original intent there are still things that tie those movies together yeah absolutely and it's i mean they're very loose connections now because it's not a thing because dark tower bombed which that's a different story for a different time i felt like dark tower was all right not like i i I passed i passed on it i'll have to check it out at some point it's not a great movie but it was entertaining enough and i felt like if it had been done better or given more of a chance we could have actually had like a legitimate like the actual real stephen king universe that actually exists in the books and that would have been pretty tight yeah it would have been crazy it would have been really strange but i mean in the meantime it's probably gonna happen eventually and i mean they've tried things like it with castle rock and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but you know there's enough stephen king material getting put out that i feel like it can happen eventually it just hasn't picked up steam yet I, yeah, I was just wondering at the end. I was like, "What are we gonna get? Are we gonna get a giant spider? Like, what's gonna happen?" I thought the end when they after they went through all their crazy, uh, strange, scary moments, they got together. The whole time I was like, "Okay, like I know it's a part of the book, but the whole like 
Native American ritual of Chud thing. The whole time I was like, it's not going to fucking work. Yeah. It's not going to work. That's too, it's too bonkers. Like it's, it's too cut and dry. It's too cut and dry. And also like to me, like nobody ever seems confident in the idea of it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Except which, for Mike. Which makes sense that, but then Mike, like even to me, like when he says it, like, he says it, but then I was like, I don't believe you. And then literally later in the movie, they're like, oh, by the way, he wasn't telling the truth. All of the Native American people died, died. when they tried to do this. And I was like, well, duh. Like, we knew it wasn't going to be that easy. It wasn't yeah. going to be like, you know, let's all throw our trinkets in the thing and light it on fire and it's going to kill him. It's like, no, there's got to be a big showdown. Like, this movie has been long enough now that I know we're not going to get something that simple. It's got to be some big crazy fight with a we kind of got a giant spider, which I can see what their thought process was. Was, well, was more like a lobster, but and we, yeah. which we got a preview of in part one when he in chapter one when he like starts attacking them with the kind of it reminded me of that that monster from Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. that they fight, yeah, yeah, whatever that's called. So uh, I might have said that in the past too. When he, we get a preview of it in this, I can see where they were coming from. Where they're like, hey, we don't want people to complain about another giant monster or a giant spider ending. We also don't want people to complain that there's no Pennywise at the end. Smash them together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's literally like a bobblehead Pennywise on top of a giant lobster. Yeah. Um, but I thought that set with all the spiky black, like uh, obsidian looking stuff coming mm-hmm. out was really cool. The deadlights were terrifying and, and knowing kind of how crazy the deadlights are in the expanded Stephen King universe. That was really cool to see like when Richie gets like catatonic, like just by yeah. looking at them and you, th- and he gets raised up just like Beverly did in the first one. The, the whole ending, like I thought visually was pretty stunning except for obviously the giant CGI monster, but yeah. for the most part, it looked great as well. It was well set, well blocked. And like I said, like the connection between the, you know, Richie and Eddie as characters and the actors, like the, the, how well they performed those last few scenes together were just phenomenal. Yeah. And it was heart wrenching and, and yeah, when I couldn't believe it, like when they actually had Eddie get, get stabbed, like I, and, and the the whole time I was like, are they actually going to, are they actually going to kill him? Mm -hmm. Like, is that actually going to happen? And they did. And I was glad they did because they committed to it. Yeah. Even though it was, it was tragic. And obviously the acting from Bill Hader, like that guy is going to really go places. Like he's going to be huge. And he already is. He pops up on everything now, like on YouTube and everything, all these interviews and all these, like all these things. And so I thought the whole thing was really cool. The way they defeated him, like you said, I was, to me, I was like, okay, well, I kind of figured that's how they were going to do it, which is just like they did in the first one, which is kind of like. I mean, they kind of beat the shit out of him in the first one, but yeah. also, like, you know, we're like, we're not afraid of you, and did that whole thing. But in this, yeah, they just kind of bully him into melting. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh. Yeah, uh, and he melts down into, like, that weird, I'm sure that's going to, that's that's going to be a meme. Yeah. Him, all, like, when people get that footage, it's going to be a meme of him all shrunken up like that. Yeah. Because some people were laughing, some people were, like, weirded out. I don't think anybody was like scared by it, but it was very strange. And then when they pull his heart out and crush it, I was like, okay, but he kind of like sort of dissolved in the first one. So I don't know. I've heard talks about them maybe making more movies after this. I'm all kinds of not in, not in for that. Sorry. You probably, I probably won't even watch them. If this movie had been like as dead on as chapter one was, I'd be like, yeah, I trust them to make another one. But at this point I'm like, okay, leave it alone. Yeah. Um, and th- but then I thought the actual ending ending uh, with the house collapsing, that's like a microcosm of what 
happens in the book where a lot of, you know, a, a lot of dairy kind of is affected by Pennywise dying. Like, yeah. the, you know, things collapse and stuff like that. Um, that was cool seeing that, that part and, um, having them have the, the cool little reflection moment in the, in the window of them as kids and stuff like that. And then having the, the bookend stuff with, uh, Stan's letters to them, yeah, you know, from saying, you know, Hey, I knew like from what, I, what happened in chapter one, I knew that I was going to drag you guys down. Like I knew that the only, like it was so important that you defeated Pennywise that I knew that you guys would not be strong enough without me. Uh, that stuff was really sad. Some might feel that it's maybe saccharine, mm. but I felt like it was it was a really sweet way to end the entire story, really. Yeah. Well, and to show that it was something that was not as selfish as previously believed, you know, it it lends a little bit more to that character really having respect for his friends. Yeah, and and, and it felt better than like his suicide note in like the miniseries where it just says it. <laughs> Where I'm like, okay, well, it's just like, okay, well, it it caused me to commit suicide. It's like, no, in this, he did it for more of a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, he did it for more of a reason to out of friendship, yeah, you know, to help the 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 losers cl- uh, club like actually defeat Pennywise, which they ended up doing. I guess, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll we'll find out. I really hope that they don't touch this, that they leave it alone. I mean, I could see them if they were going to try to do the whole the whole Stephen King multiverse thing, and they were going to try to make it work, if they reused some of these characters, I'd be for that. I think that I think that bringing back Bill and bringing back Richie, I think those are characters that there's more story there. There's more things you can find that'll work. And having them maybe maybe take a, like a left turn in their lives because of what they've gone through and because now, now they're burdened with not only purpose, but also memory of those purposes. Well, it would be a lot like the premise of Dr. Sleep, where it's like obviously everything that Danny Torrance went through at the Overlook Hotel is now in causing him to, because of his memories of what happened there, causing him to, you know, try to help, like go on a crusade kind of to help other people who are affected by similar things who also mm-hmm. like have the shining. So in this, I could see these, some of these other characters spinning off to into other properties you know, obviously in Maine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, going, showing up and just helping out or giving it, not being a big part, you know, but I would, I would love to see any of these actors, you know, really show up in a, another Stephen King adaptation. Um, but yeah. Uh, overall thoughts, anything else you wanted to say about the movie? Um, uh, like I said, I think that there are definitely some things about this movie that don't work and that's really sad. I feel like they could have, done so much more to tighten things up and connect these characters more, not only to their past selves, but also to each other. Yeah. But the performances are really what make this movie shine. And it's definitely worth watching. It's definitely worth seeing in theaters. I had a good time with the movie, even though it drags in the center. I felt like if they could have done something to cut those down and maybe made it a little tighter there in the center, got us down to that two and a half, two hour and 15, maybe even that glorious two hour mark. I know. Unheard of now these days, right? I know. I think that any of those things would have made this movie a better and more of a modern classic style film. 
Yeah. Uh, because there are so many good things. There's so many things I want to praise. Like I said, I hope that this makes Bill Hader the biggest star that's ever fucking lived because yeah. he's a fucking chameleon and it's incredible to watch him work, especially when you compare this to things like the things he did on SNL or Hot Rod or oh, like yeah. just <laughs> fucking weird, the wackadoo comedy shit he's Super bad. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's an incredible actor and I think that there's so much more there of him doing dramatic roles. I mean, look at Jim Carrey. Some of his best performances are in dramatic roles. Well, my dad even said, uh, I was talking to him the other day and he said, Bill Hader is going to be the more successful version of Jim Carrey because I feel like Bill Hader has a level head, Mm -hmm. which Jim Carrey never had. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to be that person who can switch between comedy and drama and will have a long lasting career. Um, I'm really hoping that that happens. I would love to see him in more. For me, I think the movie, exactly like you said, you know, I feel exactly the same way. Uh, I loved it. It wasn't something that I wanted to walk out of. I was invested in all of the characters. I just felt myself really feeling the length of the movie. And there are ways to make a movie that's that long that don't make you feel it. See Endgame. Yeah, exactly. It feels like the scenes are serving the plot, which Mm -hmm. didn't always feel like was the case here. But... Some some of the moments, the scene under the bleachers, the opening scene, some of the scenes between the characters, very good, creepy, just overall not as scary, overall definitely not as tight, but I saw it twice. By the end of the second time, I felt like Pennywise when he, when he shrivels up. Yeah. I was like that in my seat. I was all reclined and I just was like, <laughs> yeah, and I just shriveled way up. And um, But I mean, something for us to look forward to, I guess, is... The director, Andy Muschietti, said that he is actively working on, one, shooting extra scenes that he hasn't already shot for Chapter 2, then doing an It supercut that's going to be a combination of Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 with extra scenes. Apparently, his cut for this movie, for Chapter 2, was like four hours long originally. Jesus. So, I mean, he there's a lot of material we didn't see. I don't know how much I want more material. I would do it once. I would do it once just just for respect out of the first one and respect out of the medium. I think that I think that it'd be worth watching at least once and if it's done properly, it could work. I mean, it's definitely something that I would watch in several sittings. Yeah, I'm not I, about to sit down and watch 6 hours of it content. Well, I mean, what we could do is we could plan an event, invite some people over, hire a clown. Mm-hmm. And, and then just sit down and watch the whole thing. So Brittany won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> Unless she's the clown. Yeah. Hey. Can't look in the mirror, but she'll be there. It's paid work. <laughs> but yeah, that supercut, it sounds interesting at least. Yeah. I think if, they, like I said, depending on what scenes they film, as long as it's not the orgy scene, I think I think we'll be okay. Yeah, he's actively filming the orgy scene. Yeah. like he's Actively. It, yes, very actively. Like Lars von Trier status. Oh, God. So I'm just waiting for the video meme of uh, him shrinking into a tiny little deflated thing and have it uh, – uh, the uh, first one will be your dick after you bust a nut too fast. <laughs> oh, <So>. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that fits perfectly. It fits perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a meme. So can't wait to see that show if up for ha- about a week. <laughs> if someone hasn't made it, somebody make it. Yeah. And then make sure you give us credit. But <laughs> Porson any, Peak. Yeah, Porson Peak. Uh, out, of, out of five... Let's say out of 99 red balloons. <laughs> Loof balloon? Um, out of five weird Stephen King uh, cameos, uh, how what would you rate this? I would rate this a 
3.5, I would say, maybe. I think I think I'm in the three territory. And yeah. I, I, like I said, I think that it's still it's still passable. It's still it's still a, a solid movie that I'm glad that I watched. I think for me, the thing that that I'll be reminded of most, aside from Bill Hader's excellent performance from Bill Skarsgård, basically just being the creepiest human who's ever lived, I think the biggest thing for me is going to be squandered potential. Yeah, and I feel like what's going to end up happening with my score is my my love of the first movie has been on an an, uh, an upward spike over time, mm-hmm. and I feel like my love of this movie is going to be on a downward spike over time because it's going to be a movie that I'm not going to want to put on. Like I was saying, I do for chapter one. I'm not going to want to just throw it on, you know, with friends. Uh, you know, it's going to be something where I'm like, okay, it's been a couple of years. Guess I'll sit down and I'll watch chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. Even it, it's the uh, fifteen to one ratio that's going to be the problem. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so those are our thoughts on it. Chapter two. Bit of a more casual discussion here, not you know with the segments or anything. But hope you guys enjoy. Hit us up on any socials with your thoughts specifically about this movie. Keep it spoiler free because the reason why it's just the two of us is because Anthony is in his September starve. He will see this movie probably October first. He's in his twenty-seven year hibernation. Yeah, so he will. Uh, he will come back to haunt Derry later later uh, this week when we release our other episode. And we'll have to come back, too. Oh, yeah. We'll see you there. Keep it creepy. Peace. You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and if you're going to listen to PodCoin, don't forget to use the code PORCELAIN, that's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N, for 300 free coins. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Don't forget to follow us at Porcelain Peak on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or check us out on PorcelainPeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for writing and producing our intro song, and to Anthony Silva for designing the Porcelain Peak logo. This has been here for this fair weirdos production.